Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,100 miles south-southeast of me, it's Kip Fisher. We are happy to bring you what will be another uh, fun extension of our Oliva Series V vertical tasting episode tonight. This is our second part to that little series, and uh, hopefully all the all the same fun and camaraderie that we had with the first part. So, uh, how are you, Kip? You uh, having a good night tonight? I am doing very well, all things considered. And I got to take the cigar in my mouth, and so I don't sound quite so stupid. I'm doing well, all things considered. I am happy to be here. Well, good. I'm, uh, I'm very happy to hear that. I was just puffing away on my pre-show cigar. I completely forgot to light up this uh, 2011 Serie V that we've got. Uh-huh. And we've already partaken of the 2010? Yes, sir. Shall we speak of the 2010? Sure, why the heck not? We... Uh, if if you've listened to last week's show, episode 55, you know that um, we previously highlighted the 2008 and the 2009 Oliva Serie V Maduros, um, and tonight's show will be the 2010 and 2011 that we highlight. So the 2010, I know that both Kip and I uh, smoked those samples before uh, starting the show tonight, and We've got some, hopefully, we've got some notes and uh, comparison contrast items that we can talk a little bit about here. So, what do you say, Kip? Do you got notes handy? I'm uh, trying to get this 2011 started. Yeah, I got a, a few notes, but I had a little bit of a, an issue or a problem with uh, the uh, 2010 that I was smoking this week. And I'm putting that little disclaimer in there because I remember enjoying these cigars at the time quite a bit. And... Uh, the one I had, the only one I had left uh, to smoke for tonight's show, I'd apparently banged it around on something and put a solid crack for the first inch and a quarter or so up from the foot. And the, the burn tended to chase that crack, and it chased it all the way up. And uh, I mentioned before the show that it looked like Elmer Fudd's shotgun by the time it got to the <laughs> And i got to think that that, that uh, really affected the... The flavor for me, it, it made it a little, maybe a little hotter, a little more ashy than normal. Still an enjoyable cigar, even with the goofy appearance. Thankfully, I wasn't smoking it in public, but uh, uh, you know, it, it had some of that same um, chocolatey, molasses, brown sugary kind of aroma beforehand as the the 2008 we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly not as as strong. Uh, to me, anyway, it was less pronounced, and um, had a little bit of a tight draw, but not not terrible, not enough to make me want to put it down or anything. And I have to put a little plug in here because I'd never used this thing until uh, till today when I lit that 2010 up, and and I guess they're called Havana Savers. This came in the Saints and Sinners pack last year. Um, and I use that thing. It's just kind of like a little draw poker thing with a. I don't know if you can see on the the video. It's kind of twisted mm -hmm. throughout. And I use that thing on there, and it worked beautifully. And, and I have a notorious history for every time I ever try to to do that with. Uh, you know, I've got a number of things here I've used over the years. This is a a cake tester that belonged to my wife that you put into the cake to see if it's done in the middle. Past tense. 
Yeah, and uh, um, <laughs> any number of things I've tried doing that with it, but this thing worked great. I, and I, I, I'm only mentioning that because I was so surprised. I expected after trying that that I would just be done with a cigar, but uh, it actually did its job well. Uh, I managed not hmm. to run it out the side of the cigar, which is usually what I do. Um, well, I um, uh, one of my favorite things to do if I've got a tight draw, I just uh, um, I take some of the wrapper off, uh, if not all the wrapper, depending on where the uh, the problem spot on the draw is. But you know, I know if you remove the this Maduro wrapper, I think that would be a little counterintuitive, specifically because it's uh, one of the things that make this makes this cigar unique. But either way, that's just kind of a helpful tip moving forward uh, for any listeners out there who haven't heard that theory. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't mention this uh, 2011 was the first year that they they moved over from a uh, Bellicoso or Toro or Torpedo shape to just a, a Toro, as you can see in this 2011 here. Uh, of course, the 2010 was still a Torpedo shape. And this is a, a good size for me. I'm usually a Corona Robusto kind of guy, but at the time, back in 2011, I actually smoked a lot of Toros, and this was just perfect for me. And um, I think it was six and a half by 54 was the listed size. I don't think mine was quite that big. I don't know if they shrank or what. It was more like a 50 or 52. Actually, about a 50 was my measurement. But uh, mine says six by 50 on my wrapper. I don't know if you can focus on that or not. It looks like it's not oh, taking it, but that's what mine said too. I must have miscopied some information there. I I'm, I have the the uh, let's see if I, I don't know, the video up. the uh, cellophane right here, and it's not going to want to focus, but it it does indeed say six by fifty. <laughs> so my measurement does match the bayonet there, the the sticker. <laughs> hmm. Well. I um oh I'm no 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 ah, dang it I'm I mixed up the the six by fifty is what we're what I'm smoking right now the 2011 the 2010 was six and a half by 54 was the the measurement and I did indeed get a smaller size on that I gotcha so I think I, I just um, thought I made a mistake once but I was wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have to steal that I like that <sighs> pardon me. Quenching but, uh, my thirst with a tasty like libation. Said, yeah, like I said on the 2010, I remember enjoying them quite a bit at the time. But the the trouble with the burn on this one really kind of uh, took the wind out of my sails. Smoking the one today, uh, did get a lot of a uh, uh, little, not a lot, a, a moderate to heavy amount of spice and burn through the nose. Uh, not a whole lot of the chocolatey cocoa kind of flavors I normally think of with these. It had seemed like it had a woodsy kind of core for me with a, uh, a fair amount of pepper, although it wasn't overpowering. Got a little sweet toward the end, and I think that's about all I got to say about the 20. It is, it's kind of funny. I, I think I had uh, some pretty opposite um, feelings to the 2010 to you. Mine certainly went from sweeter... Um, and much softer on the front end, and then as the cigar progressed down to the the final third, um, it was just incredibly savory. Um, 
and almost lost all um, sweetness. The only sweetness that was perceptible towards the end was just a real minor minty sweetness for me, uh, which was unique. I don't normally get that from cigars, but um, the the 2010 Maduro, that torpedo started with an extremely spicy pre-light um, to me. It um, it kind of followed that up with just a polar opposite initial flavor, sweet and toasty initial flavors, just as as toasty as it comes, really. Um, some cedar flavors in there with that kind of um, toasty sweetness, which was a nice compliment. I like it whenever I can get some sweet cedar tastes. Um, that flavor kind of morphed in solidly into the first third into kind of a tart citrus, almost grapefruit-like, which was interesting. Um, a lot of a lot of times people will throw the term citrus around a lot, but um, I think that that's just kind of a generic way that you can describe the sweetness in a cigar. But this definitely broke from the mold in that it was noticeably tartar um, and reminded me of just a, a gorgeous summer pink grapefruit. Um, into the second third, I started getting some really unique flavors. Um, I'm sorry, unique is the improper term. Some really specific flavors to like tawny ports or even some cherries. Um, things like raisin and and almost uh, um, uh, like an alcohol aroma. If you've ever smelled casks that um, alcohol has been uh, aged in, there's kind of this sweet alcohol-like aroma. And that I probably had half a dozen to a ten um, puffs right solidly in the center of this cigar for that 2010 that um, uh, highlighted that, and it was really really enjoyable. Raisin and kind of that deep stewed um, uh, dried fruit is really a, a great complex flavor to come out. Um, towards the final third, I started noticing more of the spicy core that had been present throughout, but really kind of played second fiddle to some of the more complexities, uh, some of the complexities that I'd gotten earlier. Um, the spice, th- that core was not a, a chili spice nor was it a baking spice. It just, it was somewhere to where I I had made a mental connection that it tasted spicy, but I couldn't pinpoint it beyond that. It was, it was unique in that manner. Um, As the final third kept going, um, I did get some, uh, I I hate to say yin to the yang um, type flavors, but that kind of spiciness was balanced out by almost a, a, a citrusy flavor that reminded me of the aroma of hops, which was really unique. I've never gotten that in a cigar before, period. Um, and then it comp- uh, then it progressed and stayed incredibly meaty. It's kind of a slight woodiness um, and a lot of that spice and black pepper uh, in that final third. This was by far, I, I have written that it was by far the most complex Oliva V um and without a doubt, the most complex Oliva V Maduro that I've ever had. Um, and as I mentioned, that final third also had uh, that kind of slight sweet minty flavor that wafted in and out as well. Um, this was the first cigar I had of the day, or I had during the day, and it was after... What did I eat yesterday? I think I had a pretty hefty meal, too, and I still picked up a lot of these... Oh, excuse me. A lot of these complexities... Um, it was a, a beefy, ballsy cigar. I loved that 2010. Um, 
really, really interesting to me. I, I was not expecting it to be as complex as it was. And, um, you know, I, I, I wonder if um, they had changed the blend a little bit from 2009 to 2010 rather than just changing the wrapper. Um, I don't know. Do you know that or no? I don't know specifically. I don't think they published any uh, major changes, but it wouldn't surprise me at all because they, 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 they each have their own personality every year. Yeah, yeah. 2011 and 12 were exceedingly similar uh, and even the same size, and I think those were about as close as any two years uh, that I can think of. And what you're describing with the 2010 is much more in line with what I remembered and expected, so I'm, I'm, I'm even more so thinking that the burn impacted the flavor for me today. Mm. Well, I liked the 2010 a lot. I mean, if I uh, if I saw those available, I would, without question, um, pick those up. I I liked that cigar. It was, you know, the the Oliva V has never been a line that's had a steady spot in my humidor. The V Maduro um, has since you introduced me to it about a year ago, um, but not so much because it's the most complex or the most unique or uh, the most typical Maduro type flavors, but just because it's it's one of those cigars that reminds me a lot of the the Cabaguan Maduro, uh, as I've talked about. Just one of those, you know, you had a bad day, you want a good cigar that's going to perform and that's um, a really comforting flavor. The Oliva V Maduro does that, um, but the 2010 kind of rose above. Not that that description is negative by any means, but it rose above that, and it to me kind of jumped into the echelon of uh, um, being an elite cigar. I, I if uh, if I had a, a whole box that had played out and performed identically to how um, the sample that we had for the show uh, smoked, I'd be I'd be shouting from the heavens that that was a spectacular release that year. Yeah, um, and Cigar Man for Life mentioned in the chat room that he had issues with the 2012 edition, and, and I, I noted that I had as well. And they are just yeah. that was my well publicized little rant about it. Um, but actually, Oliva, one of the reps, made good on that. He, re- he replaced the ones I complained about, and they were all fine. So I, you know, I I got a bad run of them, but. I still love those cigars, and I have now smoked up my entire uh, stock, with the exception of what we have left for for next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a healthy supply of the 2013s, and may try to add to that in the near future. Well, you may want to send some to me this week, because I don't have a single 2013. Hint, mm. hint, hint, hint. Yeah. You might be out of gas. I might be smoking 2013 without you next week. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can get anything to you that fast, but we'll see. Well, let me flick back over to the notes here. Ah, we have have a a very important business matter to handle that I completely did skip over. We do, we do, we do. of course, we did a giveaway for the live listeners last week with uh, follow-up with uh, 
I posted a picture up in my review of the cigar we're smoking tonight from almost two years ago, over two years ago, um, Monday afternoon, and we got uh, quickly got a, a correct answer from Ian Winchester, and then several incorrect guesses throughout the week, and I think. Uh, I don't know, I guess it was Thursday afternoon. I tweeted we still needed a winner, and quickly, within an hour, we had about a dozen correct guesses, but the first one of those was David Nichols. So, Ian Winchester and David Nichols, if you will email one of us your addresses, we will uh, connect you up with uh, Michael Stewart, who was the generous provider of the uh, prizes this week, and he'll get those to you. Hmm. Well, I uh, I am quite jealous. I think that was an excellent giveaway and quite kind. By, oh, uh, I didn't Mike. even didn't even say the picture was Gilberto Oliva, the uh, current patriarch of the Oliva family, the uh, Oliva cigar family. I guess I should say. You did kind of skim right over that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you did. Well, I knew the answer, so I guess I didn't uh, need you to repeat it. And I did cut myself out of that image just to uh, avoid having a hundred guesses of Gip. <laughs> well, that was what I I think I mentioned that last week, and uh, I figured we'd at least get a few of those. The person <laughs> in the photo is Kip Fisher. <laughs> Actually, I think my wife was in that one too. It was uh, the two of us together with him. Mm. Well, congratulations to those two gents, Ian and uh, David. David, gosh, why am I? Yeah, David Nichols. Mm-hmm. I, um, for some reason, I thought it might have been Davey for a moment of panic there. Um, congratulations, guys. Get in touch with either one of us, and we'll uh, get your information on over to Michael, and we'll have some fancy cigars to smoke. Congrats. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Michael was quite generous to share his winnings with us to uh, to give some of those away. Thank you again, Michael. I know he wasn't able to, to sit in tonight. He uh, told me ahead of time he couldn't make it tonight, but uh, a big thanks to him. Well, we, uh, we've got this 2011 that we haven't spoken much about. Before we move on to news, do you have any immediate... You know, first, third um, comparison contrasts to the 2010, or the, I guess for that matter, the 08 or 09 as well? Yeah, this has, to me, a bit more of the sweetness uh, that I found in the 08 and that I first fell in love with of the 2011, that uh, uh, not so much on the cold draw even, but once lit, just really sweet and cocoa-y. Um, I almost stopped short of chocolatey and just say, just stick with the, the sweet cocoa. Mm. You know, it's funny. I I have said it, gosh, time and time again. I know quite often on Dog Watch, but one of my favorite things is to be able to review a cigar um, in a group because you're just so your your ability to kind of express yourself expands so much because you can hear a little idea from one person and then it builds in your mind to to something different and then someone else can take whatever your uh, revelation was and then build on that as well. And you saying sweet cocoa is absolutely correct. Like I have I have actually I think it's still here. I have a um, a dark chocolate 
that I really have liked recently. Perugina? Yeah. Perugina? Oh, it's just, it's it's spectacular. It's not super dark, um, but it's dark enough to where you still taste a lot of that cocoa. You don't get, you know, all the, um, well, the milk solids and the additional sugar that's in there that kind of clouds the cocoa-y flavor. Um, And I just love this dark because it tastes like cocoa. And that's the flavor that that I'm getting on this. And I'm only, I don't know, three-eighths, half an inch in, but... Man, oh man, when you said that, that it's not chocolate, it's it's um, uh, like that cocoa powder. It reminds me of that flavor that I love by, from eating that chocolate. So, yep. really, really yeah. good. And I remember that in spades in the review I wrote a couple of years ago, and, and it's just still right up my alley in that sense. Hey, it looks like Ian is in the chat room tonight, so congratulations, Ian. Just, uh, again, hook us up with uh, your address information, and we'll get that to Michael. Mm. Another flavor that I'm getting from this 2011, and it reminds me a bit of the 2009. Um, it's there's a definite kind of sweet cherry flavor in here too. Not not so much cherry pie, but like a a dark cherry, um, like a, a a black cherry flavor. Something that's just a little bit a little bit less cloyingly sweet and a little more. Um, uh, it's just an enjoyable cherry essence. I, I like that, and it plays second fiddle to that cocoa, but it's definitely here. Uh, yeah. I'll be interested to see how it sticks. Uh, I would agree with that, uh, absolutely. And to me, it's a very, um, it, it has a very clean finish. Uh, I mean, I could smoke this and feel, you know, palate being as fresh as can be after smoking a cigar, but. It, it's not polluting at all. It's not heavy and, and dense on the palate after after you're smoking it. Mm. It's interesting. It, there's another uh, another point, I guess. I I didn't notice how soft on the palate this was and how short the finish was. I usually enjoy cigars with a very long clinging finish, but this one is definitely much, much cleaner. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, and, and I use the word clean instead of short because of what you just said. Some people tend to see a, a short finish maybe negatively, and I, and I don't mean that at all. I, I, I kind of like it in this cigar. Because a lot of times, to me, a short finish is what I find in a cigar that's a little too... Uh, vegetal or harsh even and it's just sharp and biting and then it's gone quickly but it's just not as enjoyable and that's that's not at all what I get from this cigar one of the the I guess uh, ways that I'd break that down is if something's a little vegetal or a little sharp to me I mean I, I'll immediately think that it's under processed or that it's youthful um, like a, like a uh, um, candela sometimes uh, yeah, Candela most definitely will have that sharpness. Um, but I'm even, I'd even refer to a cigar, you know, um, think of a generic Connecticut shade grown mild POS. Uh, at times they can have, um, a very sharp biting, um, nicotine astringent flavor. Um, and I just think that it's because it's such a delicate leaf, doesn't take a ton of processing. Um, before it breaks down or before the color starts to 
darken a bit, and uh, it oftentimes just can be a little tannic or a little vegetal to me, um, and that finish is very, very short. It's just, it's not, chemically, the tobacco hasn't broken down enough for you to be able to taste it. Um, it's just too complex for your palate. But this is not that way. It's, it is uh, very, very enjoyable. I dig it. So let's say we uh, jump into some news here. I, I'm not fully informed on some of these items, so uh, we're going to see what happens. Uh, no problem at all. Well, the uh, the first item here, um, you had actually talked about uh, a Facebook article, which I think is um, fantastic. Facebook, as, as many faults as Facebook has, it can open up things like this to you. Um, and I think it's just brilliantly uh, um, accessible. So Caribbean360.com um, was linked to something on Facebook that you saw. And on that website, uh, a loss was detailed about the Cuban tobacco uh, crop in Pinar del Rio for this yeah. year. Uh, somebody had just shared this article, and I actually just saw this maybe an hour or so before showtime, that um, the, the, the article was detailing a, a sizable loss of the uh, Cuban tobacco crop this year um, in, in Pinar del Rio especially, and they named a couple of other uh, locales, but I'm not really well-versed in Cuban geography. Um, but uh, I guess apparently there's been quite a bit of rain, uh, really heavy rains this season, and that's brought about some plant rot in the tobacco crops. So they're, they're losing plants. And, and it even said, in fact, that, that many farms have had to replant as many as three times this season, and they're now at a point where it, it would make no sense to replant, and they're once again losing uh, losing the plants themselves. And it was all in hectares, so I had to go do some conversions there because <laughs> my mind works in acres. Um, but I, uh, it looks like there's a total loss of about 2,000 acres and partial losses across 2,500 acres uh, just within Pinar del Rio. And so, you know, adding that up with some of the others that they pointed out, that's about a 30% loss of the entire Cuban tobacco crop this year. Uh, or total loss or at risk, and so that that uh, I imagine here in a few years is going to make uh, the Cuban Cuban market a little more uh, scarce. Well, there's there's been some very well documented, um, very well documented uh, tobacco losses due to geez any number of uh, uh, different reasons, plant rot. Um, what is it? Stock shank? No. Uh, oh, I won't remember the other one of the other um, diseases, but obviously blue mold is one that obviously comes to mind, um, and it's happened time and time again throughout the history, and it's caused things primarily like um, larger cigars. It has a major impact on larger cigars. If smaller cigars that take uh, a, a shorter priming or a, an earlier priming so that way wrapper leaves can be saved, um, you'll often see that those cigars can still be produced because you don't need a full large leaf to be um, of perfect quality. So things like Double Coronas, Churchill's, or Julieta 2's, um, and certainly A's or Presidente's, 
um, are almost never seen uh, from crops like this when uh, when you've got substantial losses. So you can certainly imagine that that may be the case in two uh, two growing seasons from now when this growing season actually makes it to market. But um, Cuba is also taking steps to age some of their tobacco and uh, blend from year to year as well to help prevent things like this from being so detrimental to the industry. But um, one would imagine 30% of your product lost is a major loss no matter what it is that you're doing. But um, I opened up one of my uh, handy-dandy Cuban guides, and there's a uh, about five tobacco growing regions that have been in use in the last 10 years. Uh, Vuelto Abajo, uh, Semi-Vuelta, Partido, Vuelta Arriba, and Oriente. Um, those were the five common tobacco growing regions uh, going back to 2002. And Vuelto Arriba, it's a couple hundred miles south, or excuse me, east of Havana, whereas Vuelto Bajo is a, a considerable distance west of Havana. Um, so I'm not exactly sure if that would have been where you had noted or where the article would have noted some of the other, ma- other major loss, but that's the largest tobacco-growing region in Cuba, um, although it's not typically a region that uh, is known for growing cigar tobacco or tobacco for export, I should say. Yep. But all right, that's probably a little too scientific and and uh, academic for most of our listeners. You included, huh? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I was looking at my phone; was actually kind of going nuts over here. I looked. There's somebody out there named Toby D, and I don't know who Toby D is, but I'm getting a slew of emails, about 18 of them in the past 10 minutes, saying, "Add me, add me to the to the chat." I guess so. Toby D, if you're out there, we're not probably going to add you tonight. (laughs) Uh, That's a nice little public service announcement. Humiliation of Toby D. It's not a humiliation. I mean, I don't know who that is, and I'm not ready to bring on a guest (laughs) without even knowing who it is. What else (laughs) we got in the news? The Herrera Esteli Norteño is coming soon, and with a little bit of difference from the original Herrera Esteli that was put out. Um, uh, this is going to be a San Andres wrapped Honduran binder, Nicaraguan filler, uh, Maduro, uh, and it's going to be the big change. Going to be it's going to be produced by Hoya de Nicaragua rather than Drew Estates, as the uh, original Herrera Esteli was. Uh, but one thing that kind of caught my eye in the the information there is that none of the the six vitolas that's going to be available in are over a 52 ring gauge. All of them are 52 and under, starting at about a 44, I believe. Ah, refreshing. <laughs> Were you a fan, or are you a fan of the Herrera Esteli? Um, the originals, they they were okay, but uh, I, I know they were hugely popular, and I don't think there was anything wrong inherently with the cigar to me. The uh, but the the spice that I got out of that was a little much. It, it came across as a little bit shrill uh, for the ones that I had. 
Um, but he did hand out a prototype back at the Chattanooga tweet-up last year. had no name and no other information that I actually enjoyed quite a bit. I think I remember you mentioning that. Probably did. I'm probably In fact, I'm, I'm positive I remember you mentioning that. That's right. Hmm. It would be interesting if that's what this Norteño uh, evolved from. Maybe, but the one I got, I don't believe, was a Maduro at the time. Oh, well, that's true. Hmm. I wonder if that San Andreas wrapper is ever not fermented to a Maduro shade. Hmm, it's a good question. I know that, I mean, when you see it, and it has gotten quite popular lately. Um, That's it, what we're it smoking now. In, yeah, it comes in quite a number of different uh, shades of brown. So it wouldn't surprise me. If it was. <laughs> wow, that was uh, riveting. Excellent, <laughs> excellent information. That tobacco leaf is processed to a number of shades of brown. Well, I mean, you ask a question, and I'm sure it is. I can't name one, but I'm sure it's some out there somewhere. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I just uh, I thought that was humorous. Fifty shades of brown. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. What else we got here? Crowned heads. They uh, actually, John Huber made a statement in. Uh, one of his email updates quite some time ago that 2014 would be a big year for them, that they're going to put out a number of new releases. And <clears throat> we talked about one a couple of weeks ago, and I've already yep. forgotten the name of it. Um, but this week they're uh, talking about a, a, a TAA exclusive they're going to put out. Uh, it's going to be called Angel's Anvil. Uh, and it, there is actually a Huber-created mythology that, that goes with that and the... the the little story about an angel that was fallen and had to seek out the right people with the right tools to rebuild his wings to, to get back to heaven. And, and the the comparison there was his fall from CAO and, and getting back back to the top by finding <laughs> the right people with the right tools. And um, so the if your local retailer is a big Crowned Heads fan and they want to carry this line, they're going to have to be a member of TAA and attend the conference. That's the only place you're going to be available for him to pick that line up. Um, and it, he, he was, he being John Huber, was clear that it's not an extension of one of their other existing lines. This is an entirely new blend, uh, a, new, uh, a new cigar altogether. Uh, it's going to be just a single Vitola, 7 and an eighth inches by 49 ring. Have an Ecuadorian wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and filler, and that's really about the extent of how much detail I know about it. Um, and it's going to be limited to twenty thousand. It's going to be in a thousand boxes of twenty, and will be made at Tabacalera La Alianza, just so, like his other lines, except for the one we talked about. So, for those of us who uh may not be familiar with exactly what TAA, the Tobacconist Association of America, um, actually does or how it differentiates or is different from IPCPR. Do you have that information? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but personally, I don't know much about it. I don't either. I mean, it's a tobacconist association, of course, but um, 
I don't really know a whole lot about it. It doesn't seem, I don't know about as big, certainly not as um, talked about and publicized within the United States as IPCPR, um, but I know they have a you know a big gathering, a big conference every year. They have a little different guidelines about joining up uh, and being a part of that. No, I don't know all the details there, um, but I do know that several manufacturers put out a TAA exclusive line every year. Uh, notably for me is Tatuaje, and he's done one for the last two or three years now. Um, 2011. Tatoahe TAA was something spectacular. I mean, that that was a fantastic cigar, and I would put it in top two or three favorite Tatoahe's I've ever had. I hmm. uh, wasn't as big a fan of 2012. I did not ever try the 2013, uh, but the, the, the 2011 was, was a special cigar. Hmm. Well, I... Uh might need to look up a little more about TAA, see what I can find and report back later on. I guess I asked the question. Doesn't uh, doesn't hurt if I maybe try to figure out the answer. Yeah, you can report back on that for us. Why the heck not? You've got nothing better. Well, to do, right? the uh, the next one is a rather interesting uh, news item here. I'll be interested to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, just one more quick note about TAA. Officer Paul in the chat room says that they do a lot of work within the retailers to uh, specifically work on improving customer relations between, I guess, retailer and, and consumer. Hmm. Rather than just be uh, and, a congregation of retailers, they have a specific purpose, sounds like. I can see my breath tonight. It's so freaking cold. <laughs> I'll quit whining. <laughs> it's like 50 degrees now. It's cold. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Well, I was uh, I was bringing us into the the Gardelli news item of the week. Yeah, this this was interesting to me, and I don't know exactly what this means or how much it's going to matter. Um, but Cigar.com, which I ber- believe is tied up with parent company after parent company after parent company, uh, the CI folks and that branch of the tobacco universe, um, they have taken over or gotten exclusive online rights to the Gardelli that we've talked about a couple of times and how much maybe we'd like to do that. And I guess they are going to administer it for everyone who wants to do it but is not able to physically travel to Miami to go through the the education and the the blending process themselves that you could go in and select different components and and have those cigars rolled for you online. Um, but uh, the Ricos are going to control that still in person. So if you send them an email and you're coming to Miami and want to go through the process yourself, they're going to handle that. But if you just want to do it online, you'll be going through Cigar.com. So it sounds as if to me, I, I saw the, I think I saw this floating around Wednesday or Thursday. Um, sounds about right for the timeline. Um, so what I thought was interesting was that if you want to go and have the whole uh, experience and try a bunch of different tobaccos, you're going to go through 
um, the deli. If you just if you know what you want and you want a custom cigar made with X tobacco, Y size, um, you go to cigar.com and it will be made through um, the deli. But it's not so much. It's more just an order taker for it rather than experiencing the whole uh, process of it. That was what my understanding was. And I, I shouldn't even say my understanding. That was what I was assuming it would be. Um, and the only benefit is that, you know, I, it it limits the, um, the tire kickers, one. But two, what you're also going to do is you'll get a greater volume to the deli because people who want it done, they know what they want, they place the order, it's finished. So it's just a little more efficient. Um, that's kind of how I was wondering how all this went down. Um, but then there's a little bit of a pessimistic side of me that thought, did Cigar.com have somewhat of a, a custom cigar order form already? And somehow there was a, a partnership um, of forces here? I, I don't know. And I was a little curious about that and wasn't really able to find a lot of definitive information. Yeah, I know that kind of thing existed. I wouldn't swear to it being uh, Cigar.com. But I know one of the big online retailers, I remember this three, four years ago, had a similar kind of setup where you go pick out from these tobaccos and you pick you know, a couple of fillers, you pick a binder, you pick a wrapper, and they'll, they will roll those for you. So I think maybe this is just a, a, a gathering or a conglomeration of those two ideas into one so that Cigar.com will now manage it online and... Rico's will still do it in person. Hmm. Well, nonetheless, I'm I'm still incredibly intrigued by the deli, and I think uh, next time I take a run down to Miami, I'm going to have to make sure that George knows, and and uh, I'll take advantage of this. I think it'd just be a blast to go through the whole ordeal. Yeah, I agree. I'm still very much interested in doing it myself because I, I just just for the fun. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not so interested in just going online somewhere and picking out components and having them rolled. I, I'd really want to, you know, be in there and learn a little bit more about it. Absolutely. Without question, that uh, that's almost, well, I don't want to say that's more fun than getting the finished product, but I think that's what will make the finished product worthwhile, worth the, I think, $10 a cigar price. See? Well, in uh, a, a showing of uh, A-plus excellent listenership, John Craig, a gentleman who participates regularly in our chat room and who obviously listens to the show as well, uh, sent us a bit of a reminder email about the, the new Zycar Puro Temp wireless hygrometer. Yes, he did. I think he's in the chat room tonight, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, it's Cigar Man for Life. Uh, in I believe so as well. And uh, this was a, a release came out within the past week or two, and, and I don't think we had talked about it, but we did talk about a similar device from Cigar Oasis uh, a couple months ago, where theirs, the Cigar Oasis, you'll be able to, with your phone or tablet or computer or wherever online, you can monitor your humidor and make changes on the fly through the Internet. Uh, it changes to its setting for uh, humidity. 
this one's a little different. It's not online like that, but it's wireless in the sense that around your house you have a wireless device, and one difference is it will monitor up to three different humidors, three different uh, uh, humidifiers, and you can do the same kind of thing just locally. Uh, so I guess it depends whether or not you want to keep check on one or keep check on multiples, if that's more important to you or if you want to want the distance of being able to do it from anywhere that you have an Internet connection. This was, they made a little bit of a splash with this, and I had uh, I had been a little excited at first not knowing all the details. I thought that it was going to be a little more than just a wireless hygrometer. Um, I think Oregon Scientific has had a wireless for, geez, 10 years or so. Um, with multiple, uh, the ability to have multiple sensors here. But uh, nonetheless, Zycor, Zycar is a known brand name. I know that uh, if they still don't for quite some time, they offered lifetime warranties on some of their hardware. And, uh, you know, anytime you can get a, a good, high-quality hygrometer, um, that's something worth noting. So uh, maybe that's exactly what we're going to see here. Yep, and I actually made use of that lifetime warranty on this lighter I'm holding here tonight, my uh, Zycar Trezo. Uh, the little uh, wire that leads up to the piezo to to make the, the strike and the, the flame had broken internally, and I just carried it back down to my local shop and said, hey, this is broken. They said, cool, get you another one, and I was done. <laughs> It really is a simple process. I had one that was a very similar uh, situation as well. I don't. I don't even know if the local um, uh, the shop that I took it back to. I don't even know if they needed my receipt. They just saw it was broken, and they know that Zycar will accept it from them, and so they just exactly. exchanged it out for me. Yep. You do not need a receipt. You just you can if you don't have a local shop, you can mail it back to them. They'll send you another one. They have a form on their website you fill out, tell them what's wrong with it, and mail it back, and you're good to go. I've done that before. I, um, uh, not to, to, I guess, downplay the, uh, the pure temp, but I do know for a fact that Oregon Scientific had uh, some remote ones. Um, because what I used to do, uh, I used to run a lot of open houses in... Um, uh, construction sites that were unfinished. It would build homes pretty differently, frame them differently, use different insulation, the whole nine yards. Um, and so I had to hold open houses for a couple days um, when I still had studs and insulation exposed and air sealing and things like that. Uh, and what I'd do is I would put the little Oregon scientific sensors all over the house so I could monitor the conditions. So you usually want to let uh, before you drywall, you usually want to let a house dry out so that way you can limit the moisture in the studs. It'll minimize uh, screw pops and tape joints showing, things like that. So uh, we would put on the open house essentially and take advantage of the time when we would let the house be letting the house dry out otherwise. So I'd have those sensors all over the darn house, and I'd just bring my, uh, my hygrometer and the remote sensor to work with me. So worked out pretty well. I could write it off and then bring it home and use it here. <laughs> Dual purpose. Amen. All right. Let's see. We only got one more little story, and this just popped up 
I, I put moments ago in the notes, and it really was just moments ago, and there's really, I don't have any information about this, so I'm not exactly sure why I'm sharing it, but I'm going to. Anyway. <laughs> um, the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. So just a little bit before showtime, uh, Terrazona Cigars posted up a, a teaser and a, a little graphical image that I assume will be some of their marketing of uh, a, a new cigar uh, called Gorilla 305. Uh, gorilla as in the little bands of warriors, not not the animal, although the animal is shown on the, the graphic. Um, so they're going to be uh, there's going to be a press release Monday that will kind of give some more information. And for those of you who don't know, Arizona Cigars is uh, the 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 line or the company owned by Eddie Tarazona. Uh, he's a nice guy, and he's the uh, stepdad of Virginia Tech quarterback Logan Thomas. Um, some of you may know that if you follow college football, uh, he's, he's one of the better players. Um, it's also the same company that just in the past few weeks announced they were parting ways with Cubanacon, uh, which is another cigar company, and they've been kind of tied at the hip uh, recently. And so I, I thought, if I was remembering correctly, Cubanacon was actually the factory that was making both lines. So I don't know what that means for them and who's going to be making them now. Although I seem to remember that information trickling out. Um, but I, I got to say, I enjoy both line, both company's cigars. Uh, in particular, I like the just the, the plain 305 uh, from Tarazona and the uh, Cubanacan Habano. I, th- I thought both those were great smokes. Hmm. Don't know don't if you've ever I, tried I any of them. Just going to say, I don't believe I've ever even had a single cigar from them. I only had found them at... Uh, Charm Leaf, when I was down there a few times, they carried him, I guess. And seems like he may have been at um, the Chattanooga Tweet at once, too, as well. Uh, but he's a super nice guy and happy to hang out and talk cigars, whether they're his or somebody else's. And, and just one of those personable people that, that's cool to hang out with. He's a real nice guy. Absolutely. It uh, was the sole reason why I thought the... Uh Chagringo might actually work. I had somehow convinced people I was a nice guy. <laughs> nice guys don't, don't didn't translate into selling them. Huh? No. <laughs> well, hey, you just you just gotta convince folks that in seven years it's gonna be a great cigar. <laughs> it's worth buying and holding on to. You know, think of it like a CD. I mean, quite frankly, or savings bond. I thought you meant the disc. I was like, well, why does anybody buy those anymore? <laughs> Who the heck's still buying CDs? Man, yeah. Wow, times we live in. Crazy things. Yeah, you said a mouthful. Well, well what, what else? What else uh, I'm jumping all over you. What else you been smoking this week? Uh, no problem at all. What do you say we uh, we talk about a fantastic cigar that we had this week? Well, that I had this week. Okay, go for it. I um. I am sure I've said on these airwaves before that I'm not the biggest fan of Room 101 cigars. I can, In particular, you have talked repeatedly about a cigar that we radically differ on. Is that the Tiburon, perhaps, Kipper? Yeah, the Namakubi Tiburon, which I think is fantastic and you think is floor sweepings. Um, 
Yeah, you can exaggerate slightly. I don't know if I'd even say it was that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's definitely floor sweepings. Um, oh, man. <laughs> you shook my whole world. you see all that shaking going on? <laughs> well, I uh, uh, I do love the Daruma line. I I think that that's just a, a winner of a blend, no doubt about it. Um, I do too. In particular, that Mutante, the uh, Lancero in that line, I think is fan flipping fantastic. Um, and in doing some of my research on this next cigar, I believe it is also available in that same Vitola. So that's a that's a unique item, and the cigar that I'm talking about now is the new Room 101 Master Series, the the first release, not the Master Series two, but the Master Series one. Um, I, uh, I talked last week about um, attending a friend of mine's new lounge opening, his grand opening of his new lounge, um, and uh, while I was sitting there, an old friend, an old guy that I know from. Uh, internet boards, gosh, almost 10 years ago. Um, Eric Grettencourt, Grettencourt, um, he's the, the founder and managing partner of uh, BOTL.org, Brothers of the Leaf. Uh, um, a lot of people know that that um, that website, that message board, it's really grown and it's flourished and it's got just a, a hell of a following of great guys, no doubt. So I'm sitting in the uh, the lounge um, kind of smoking, partying it up, having a good time. Um, and all of a sudden, the lounge owner comes over, and he's holding out a handful of six or seven just high-end cigars. Padron 26, this Master Series, um, and a, a couple Tats, just a, a, a lot of really great sticks. Um, and he's holding them out, and he comes up to me and a couple of my other buddies who are sitting there. All of us are, are members on BOTL. And he holds his hand out, and he says, boom, to each and every one of us. And he says, take a cigar, take a cigar, take a cigar. So we didn't know what the hell was going on at all, but, you know, I, I'm like, no, 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 I I took a bottle of water. I don't need anything more from you or whatever I was, uh, whatever I was saying. And uh, he's like, it's not for me. This is from somebody else who knows all you guys are here. Well, I hadn't told really anybody that I was at that uh, that event, so I was a little confused. But apparently there was a webcam or something on BOTL, and they're, they were live chatting uh, the the party. And Eric saw us there and uh, called up the shop or emailed the shop and had arranged for us to get bombed uh, as we sat there at this new lounge opening. So Eric bombed me with this Master Series, and... Uh, I thought, you know, hey, what the hell? Um, I've not had this cigar before. I'll give it an honest shake. Uh, and so I went and I bought another one. Um, and so I came home with two of them. And I've had those two Masters uh, this week. And I have to say, I was floored um, by how unique that cigar was. And I know I use unique a lot in flavors, but this one, it, it's it's worthwhile. I've never had some of the flavors in a cigar ever that I got off of this thing. Um, and I just, I really think that it's one of those cigars everybody owes to themselves to go give a whirl, light it up, see what you think. It's going to be totally different than just about anything you've ever had. Um, initially, I, I got just honey dripping 
honey uh, on with a, a cedar and a charcoal flavor, which was really unique and enjoyable in and of itself. I wouldn't think charcoal would be a good flavor, but <laughs> yeah, that's what I was so, just thinking. It's just so reminiscent of uh, you know a summer night when you light up the chimney, the charcoal chimney, and you're getting ready to throw something good on the grill. Oh man, it's it just had that that terrific bring me to another place uh, flavor um, was really really good, um, and it then the cigar kind of morphed into the the characteristic the character that it had for the the rest of its entirety um, with kind of a soft yet really abundant floral flavor, um, and uh, there's a little bit of pepper to it as well, but um, that floral flavor no doubt was was dominant, really, really unique. And I don't usually love a floral flavor in a cigar. It's it's a little, oftentimes it's a little like um, perfume. But this one was different. It was sweeter. It almost reminded me of, of like, you know, when you're a kid years and years ago when baseball cards still used to come in packs with bubble gum, it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of how that bubble gum would taste. Just really, really kind of transporting you back to being a little kid. Um, and that flavor uh, was balanced out by a bit of black pepper throughout the length. And as the cigar went down, that pepper really subsided. Um, and that kind of sweet floral flavor um, not only was dominant, but it was it was about the extent of the flavor that I was getting. So it wasn't incredibly complex, and that I wasn't getting ten flavors at once, um, but it was it was really really unique. Uh, and I wrote that as the cigar finished, um, it, it kind of morphed into a flavor that was so similar to Trick cereal, I was just blown away. Uh, really really kind of taking that that floral essence and highlighted a, a fruity aroma as well. Um, just a, a great great cigar for room aroma, unique flavors. Um, totally different than what you'd expect um, uh, character-wise from this cigar that's just jet black and looks very intimidating. It was uh, an enjoyable experience. Not something I'd want to buy a box of because it's so one-note floral sweet, um, but totally worth trying to just expand your palate. Really enjoyed the experience a ton. Okay. <laughs> That's another Room 101 we differ a bit on. Really? Uh, yeah, I tried a couple of those when they first hit the shelf. And, uh, yeah, nothing wrong with it, but it didn't really do much for me. Wow. What size did you have? Uh, the little, uh, was it the Roxo? One of the smaller ones? This was uh, the... Uh, the Secchio, I think, essentially a Churchill, Susio or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll give one of the others a try. Who knows? Maybe I got a dud. Well, it, no, maybe I got two duds. Like I said, I mean, it's not the not a cigar that you know I'm gonna make a staple in my humidor anymore. But it was just so. I mean, it just smacked me across the face and and challenged every preconceived notion I had with a stick. This is, I was smoking this before the show. This is the second sample 
I'm going to light it up when when I get finished with this Oliva V. I mean, you can see how dark that is. It's not. It is by no means anything other than a Maduro. It, it is jet black, really uh, a rustic kind of thick looking wrapper. I'd expected a a ton of flavor out of that. That was just deep and rich and dark, and it's the absolute opposite of dark flavors. Mm. I'm still hung up on the tricks cereal. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> well, I don't have just a whole heck of a lot to talk about uh, this week. I, I didn't smoke very many cigars, but I did smoke one I thought I'd mention uh, because I sent some of these up to you because you had tried an earlier uh, iteration of this line and really enjoyed it, but didn't get much out of the the newer ones from this past show that I sent you. And that's the Capadura. And I had two from this company, two different lines this week. I had the 808 and the 898. And the 808 was very much like what you described, that it just wasn't wasn't something that's going to that set your world on fire or, or made you think twice about it and want to have some of those around. But I really liked that 898. It had a secondary band. I think it said... Extra Lihero or Super Lihero, something like that. I don't recall now. And, Extra. Um, yeah, I, I thought that one was pretty good. I had a good experience with that, and much more so than the uh, 808. Well, five years five years ago, four years ago, at mm-hmm. IPCPR, um, a friend of mine found the 898 or 898, uh, and it had a different band. It looked completely different. Um uh, and he said, oh, my gosh, you have to go find this cigar. You have to. Just go give it a shot and see what you think, because I think it's just otherworldly. Um, so I went over and talked to him, and um, I don't remember what I was doing at the show that year. I think I was a private buyer for a club uh, that year, so I was really heavily looking into cigars. Um, not just being there selling or doing some media stuff. And without question, that 898 Extra Lajero was the best cigar from that show. It was just head and shoulders above anything else um, that I had had. And and uh, so I, you know, when you sent me the, the new Capaduras, um, I was really, really anxious and looking forward to trying those again. And yeah, as you say, I, I did not have yeah, enjoyable experiences with the multiples that uh, that you had sent. Um, I, and I know that I had put it in our kind of our potential Cigar of the Week um, document that we share as one that I'd like to try again, but um, I was... I was really, really bummed out that the ones that I had smoked this year were not that enjoyable. So I'm glad to hear that that 898 was at least a, a step in the right direction from that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm trying not to cough. I'm sorry. Um, <coughs> I found no fault at all with it, and I'm not even saying that it was average or okay. I, I thought it was a great smoke, and would not hesitate to have them around for sure. And I, I don't think their distribution is really, um, you know, that they haven't penetrated the market that greatly to be distributed in every 
tobacconist shelf across the country. But they do have a, a good presence here in the Tampa area, so it shouldn't be too much trouble for me to find them. Well, add that to the list of uh, cigars to go in the next package that you send me. <laughs> I, uh, I I think at this point I'm going to have like a $500 tab with you if I keep having you pick up cigars for me. But uh, if that 898, if the samples that you had had have come around, were they from the show last year or did you pick them up at a shop? It, it was from the show still. Okay. I, I had thought that maybe they had just kind of rushed them out. Um, they just tasted lifeless, the ones from the show. So maybe they just needed a little bit more time. Yeah, it could be. Well, I'm uh, I'm happy to hear that that was an enjoyable experience, no doubt. It was, it was. Well, I believe you may have teased a little bit of big news earlier in the day, and uh, now might be the right time for you to talk a little about that. Okie dokie. We're going to veer off of Cigar Talk for just a moment, somewhat, but not entirely. Cigar country is involved. Um, most all of you that know me personally, and many that don't, know that uh, me and my family happen to be Christians and believers, and uh, we... Uh, after a few trips to the Dominican, and I see my friend Nick is in the chat room tonight, and he and his family are of the same mind. And uh, in the, the coming months, sometime within the next year, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, we will be moving to the Dominican Republic uh, as uh, missionaries working with the people of Villa Gonzalez and Santiago and surrounding area, uh, kind of partnered up with uh, Project Manana. So we are more than excited, and Craig, you already knew this for the past couple of weeks, but uh, just want to kind of announce that publicly. Don't know uh, what that means exactly for Half-Ash, but my plan is to continue as long as we can get a, um, a, a good Internet connection, or at least a reliable <laughs> one. Um, hopefully all it means is that Craig will be beginning the the recording, so if I were to lose the connection, I can come back in and it won't end the whole thing. Um, but uh, That is if I invite you. That's yeah, that's true. Somebody mentioned I got fired last week. They were surprised I was still here this week. <laughs> so, in the uh, interest of radical self-promotion, we have to raise support to make this move. So, if anybody out there has a heart and mind for making a tax-deductible donation of one time or on a continuing basis monthly, we will be happy to accommodate you. <laughs> Fully tax-deductible to a 501c3 organization. Just want to well, mention I, that. I uh, I told you privately when, when you rocked my world and told me about this before, and I'll say it publicly here too, so I can have a whole chat room and... Uh, uh, and internet listeners uh, to hold me accountable, but I'd love to be able to to help out with whatever I can do. I I um, I'd pledge to assist you in this, no doubt. It'd be worth taking money away from me buying cigars to uh, uh, to help support that. I just think that that this is just one of those things that 
that regardless of the fact that it's just missionary, I don't mean just in a negative term, but uh, sure. the fact that this is missionary work, um, I think the fact that you're willing to say, you know what, this is what our lives are meant, uh, uh, this is where our lives are meant to go, our as in yours and Christie's and your children's lives, um, I think that's so commendable. I I am such a an advocate of... Um, Every day of your life, saying "Carpe Diem." Um, yeah, uh, and and you know when you get as old as me, and you start to place more importance on some things than others, and after four years of going down there and seeing the uh, uh, the, the conditions that folks are living in, and looking at the con- what I've been blessed with the past forty-one years, and just feeling like maybe I could be of better use. Uh, down there, maybe helping somebody else to have a better life. Uh, it just sounds like a really cool thing to me. And uh, so I, I see there's a, a few comments on there, like for full time. Yeah, for full time, for the foreseeable future, we are there until we're taken somewhere else, I reckon. Um, Harley Holmes, is there a link to support you? Uh, there will be. It will actually be through the Project Manana website. Uh, you can go to their support page, and there's like two main options there to support a child or make a donation. If you click that make a donation, it opens another page, and you go down, and there's an option to support a missionary. And you can make a one-time donation, a, a, a recurring monthly uh, support donation, or an annual thing. And um, you just do it there, and you would have to put my name or Fisher's or something like that on there. Um, and... and you can just give all your information there. Like I said, going through Project Manana uh, and it's not going directly to me. It's uh, it's totally uh, tax deductible and all that kind of thing. Where can you send smokes? I will provide you with an address that they will get there. <laughs> we can make that happen <laughs> one way or another. Um, well, I uh, I'm just so excited for you. I, I really am. I mean. Uh, life is full of callings and passions and uh, doing what it is that your heart follows. And You know, we do a little bit of that every Friday or Saturday night, but you're going to do a lot of that every night. And I just can't say uh, can't say how proud I am of you. It's, words don't describe it. That's awesome. And I certainly don't mean it in a condescending manner. Yeah, well, thank you uh, very much. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, as I hope it was intended. I dig it. I mean, we're excited. And, of course, there's no small part of me that's that's excited that we're moving to cigar country. You know, <laughs> there's Fuentes and uh, Carrillos and the Aging Room folks and the Florida Minicana. Those are all uh, close-by things that I think is pretty cool. Me too. So, that was the big announcement I was tweeting about earlier. It wasn't some of the news stories. That was uh, what had me kind of excited for tonight's show. And and uh, th- this is not likely to go away. I'm going to harass you people into supporting me between now and the next few months. <laughs> uh, well, I uh, I'm sure I speak for all... I. I I'm sure I speak for all of us, especially because uh, this has just been posted in the chat room as well. But uh, I will absolutely miss you, and I know that the rest of us will. 
Well, you as won't well. miss. I mean, we've met one time in person. We'll still have the same connection well, through the online. I, I know, but I, I mean, you know how things go. There, there are priorities in life, and as much as uh, uh, we both enjoy and give time and effort to half-ashed. Um, what if there isn't an internet connection, or what if there isn't the ability on uh, uh, evenings to contribute that sort of a thing? So, you know, just just to say that uh, no matter what, I understand priorities here. I think that that's a pretty special item. So, yeah, cool. uh, I'll miss I, it for that. How's that? Yeah, we'll make it happen. the 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 thing is, the internet is actually really good there. Uh, what's not reliable always is electricity. <laughs> So, well, so you don't need that. I, yeah, you know, it's got to happen some kind of way, but yeah, I, I understand that's pretty unreliable. It comes and goes. Electricity in the water. Can't drink the water. Um, but uh, I, I actually I see a number of generous folks um, saying in the chat room to send them emails and uh, and uh, uh, make sure they all know. I I don't have everybody's email. I mean, I don't want to pressure and push folks, but if you honestly are um, are in favor of making that tax-deductible donation and support. Um, <laughs> by all means, send me an email. I'll get you connected with the right place. That that would be so greatly appreciated. And and you know, I, I've been talking for years now that uh, I, how big a supporter and and cheerleader I am for Project Manana. I, I'm still very much in the same boat, of course, or I wouldn't be, uh, you know, hooking up with them uh, and this is again let me emphasize, emphasize Brian nor any of his staff including us have a salary I mean we have to generate the entirety of our support to do this um, but you know everything donated in terms of sponsoring children and all goes directly into the kids so this support for me would be a separate thing but uh, anyway we're excited I can dig it well, you should. Yeah, you, this uh, is cigar Coop said the bad part is he won't see me bundled up in 60-degree nights. <laughs> <laughs> Just give well, me a few years. I'll, I'll, I'll thin my blood some more. Kip, why don't, uh, why don't you give your email again where anyone who's interested in helping can uh, can share it with you? Yeah, it's kip at thecigarme.com. And uh, Kid Corona, which is Ian, I believe, from our, one of our earlier winners, I just posted up there, and that'll that'll come to me. And again, I, I can't tell you how much I I would appreciate the uh, support. And those of you who are from our uh, Kip's native state who may not have the mental wherewithal to spell Kip, that is K I P. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and I I would I would argue, but it's mostly true. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, man, and it's a uh, it's a high note to uh, to leave our show on right now. It's uh, oh wait, what am I saying? We're not uh, we're not leaving the show. We've got a listener email to talk a little <laughs> bit about here. We do uh, from Don Hubble, a frequent listener and regular uh, email writer, which we also greatly appreciate. Um, sent us an email this week, and he said last evening I was enjoying a Jaime Garcia Reserva Especial which, by the way, is a great cigar. I think it's one of their better cigars and not one of their most expensive. I think it's a great value. Um, he Agreed. says, as, 
As the ash developed, I noticed very tiny points or specks of something shiny reflecting pin specks of light from the wrapper ash. The only thing that came to mind was silica, question mark. The wrapper leaf contained tiny specks of silica, question mark. Another thing that makes me go, hmm, question mark. And, and I'm, not, I'm not really sure exactly what he was getting at, if that was just the uh, tooth kind of coming through in the ash or if he was actually seeing little shiny metallic-looking flakes. I, I'm not really sure. Um, I put in the notes, and I have visual aids for this. I have a couple of pictures, and it's, it's funny that both of these pictures are of um, tooth and a wrapper and an ash, uh, as it shows through, and both of them happen to be uh, pictures from uh, the old 2011 Oliva Series V. Uh, hmm. If I can kind of screen share the first here, uh, this if you can uh, see me and or see the uh, the picture there. Those of you watching the video, you can see kind of around here the tooth on this wrapper and these little tiny uh, spots or specks, and they're they're raised. Uh, little nodules on the wrapper leaf, and and I've heard both you and Dale uh, Roush uh, describe those as little pockets of oils and and just flavor bearers that that bring a lot to the wrapper. I don't mm. know if you want to maybe talk a little bit about those that because you are much more well versed than I. Um, I, I think that's a an adequate description. I've uh, already gone a little too academic on some other notes tonight, so I'll leave it at that, but um, boy, that is what you're sharing now, screen sharing now is just a terrific um, picture of how tooth can represent itself in an ash. You still get that exact same uh, texture and appearance, it just is now in an ash rather than on the unburned wrapper. Yeah, and this again um, is is from that same 2011 Oliva V that we're smoking tonight, except this one was two years ago. Uh, if you go to the review that we talked about last week and had the uh, picture in, the, both of these pictures are actually there if you want to get a better look at it. But you can really see it in the ash here, and you don't always get that in the ash, even if it's prominent on the wrapper before it's been burned. Uh, but it was really clear and bold on this cigar, so I took pictures of it and included them in the review. Um, and I, I, I think they, uh, they're good, good examples of tooth in, uh, in a wrapper on a cigar. So I, I don't know exactly what Don is referring to either. I'm, I'm in a similar boat to you. I, um, I know that that uh, a very toothy wrapper can show through in the ash, just like what you um, screen shared there. But I've never really seen the the toothiness of that wrapper have the appearance of of I don't know a metallic glisten or silica is what he had mentioned. Um, so I don't necessarily know if that's what he's referring to. But what I also can say is that. It, Going a, a different direction, plume on a cigar is it's almost almost always misdiagnosed um, and so very often confused with mold. Um, but true plume on a cigar is little deposits of oils that oftentimes can be um, shiny or glisten or metallic. 
and there are some cigars that that represent this a little more than than others. The the Cuban Ramona Jonas almost always um, will develop plume um, if you've got a desktop humidor, uh, and you know if one cigar is going to show that. Cuban Ramonionis will be one that will kind of represent these slightly golden tints um, from those oil deposits or the, the, the pockets um, that are essentially turning to plume or releasing that plume. So I've never seen it, but it sounds like what he's describing is plume on an ash before the cigar is lit, but maybe if plume is so definitive... Um, it can exist after it's actually ignited onto the ash, too. That might be a, a hypothesis worth looking into, but um, I don't have any photographic evidence for that. That would be all speculation. I, I may be able to dig some up. Uh, I tend to take pictures of that when I see it in a, you know, something that I can think I can get a good picture, and I think i got a couple around, but not right off the top of my head. <clears throat> but yeah, plume—it's it, it, funny that I mean, you look around the internet and there's such wildly differing ideas of plume and and mold. And mold is usually fairly obvious, but people constantly pick up a box of this or that, and and they're so amazed at the plume, and they put a picture up, and it's clearly mold. There's just big, big hairy mold patches all over their wrapper. Yeah, I've heard. Uh... I've heard people say, oh, if you can wipe it off, it's not mold. Well, that's not necessarily true. If you can wipe it off, it's not one type of mold. Um, but it, 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 typically, um, it, typically, if it's raised from the surface at all, if you can put it under a magnifying glass and see that it has some dimension to it, it's going to be mold. Yeah, um, and, if you see and the it, little... Uh the little, I can't even recall my high school biology, the little hairs that come up off of it. And they're quite small and microscopic sometimes. And you may even see, a, you know, like a little spore sac or something on the tip of them if you're really looking under magnification. But it's clearly mold if that's the case. Absolutely. So it's, uh, it's really a... Um, a beautiful thing when you get a cigar with with plume on it, and uh, I think it's incredibly rare as well. But maybe maybe that's what Don was referring to, and maybe he had such a large amount of plume on uh, uh, on that uh, Jaime Garcia that uh, perhaps it didn't fully combust. So the world may never know. Yeah, and Don, I know you'll likely be listening because I traded emails with you today. Actually, that you'll be. Uh you wouldn't. You weren't going to be able to join us, but you'll be listening uh, through the download. If maybe you could get us a picture of exactly what you're talking about, it might be a little easier to to track down what we're looking at. Oh, without question. Well, cool. Well, now I can start to close us out a little bit here. I uh, didn't mean to shortchange Don there before. Sorry about that. But since we've talked about his item, let's. Uh, Let's start to wrap up these the the second phase of our Oliva Serie V Maduro uh, yeah. vertical tasting. Yep, yep. Uh, mine, I'm um, 
two-thirds of the way through maybe. I got uh, maybe a good three inches or a little more left in this cigar. Um, a lot of the sweetness has faded away. I think maybe that's uh, partially contributing to that is the fact that I've already had another Serie V Oliva today, uh, Maduro. But uh, a lot of that sweetness has faded. It seems a little more drying on the palate. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. It's just I look at the head of this cigar, and there's just it, it's as dry as can be. It's not causing me to have a you know salivary response. It's just very drying in the mouth. Uh, the smoke is, and I understand that has something to do with the alkalinity of the smoke because that does fluctuate quite a bit from one blend to another. Um, but um, really, I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, acidic things will cause that salivary response, make you make uh, extra spit in your mouth, um, and alkaline things will do just the opposite. And by the way, that uh, also is a major difference between cigarettes and pipes or cigars. If you uh, start doing some pH testing on the smoke amongst the three, you'll notice that cigarette smoke is very acidic in comparison, and is close to the same pH that would be found within your lungs, just on the, the surface of the tissue, and that's why it's so easy to inhale cigarette smoke and not so easy to inhale from a pipe or cigar unless you've got a lot of practice at it because it's alkaline and it makes your lungs want to reject that and, and not not take it. Hmm. Just a side little I, factoid. I had always kind of thought that... Um, the idea of a, a cigar being uh, dry or not had a lot to do with the tannins and the uh, the development or processing of the tobacco. Hmm. I'm sure there's multiple factors, and that's one I never knew of. Thanks. Yeah, and I've, I've always, always had a, a, a considerable interest there, but never had a, a source or an outlet to really learn much more about it. Um, and I know we've gotten off on a rabbit trail here, but it, it's kind of a cool one to me that I always wanted to know more about but didn't have a, a chemistry basis or chemistry foundation to, to really get into it. Um, but this one, this cigar, and, and it's not this specific cigar, this entire line, especially the 2011 and 12, that blend um, just had has that effect on me. And... For whatever reason, but anyway, back back to the flavors. It, it lost some of that sweetness. It still has more of a uh, not sharp in a negative sense, but the sharpness of a dark chocolate rather than that sweet cocoa that I was getting early on. Um, but I think that's about it for me. What are you getting out of it? Um, well, I think that this cigar is is considerably less complex than the 2010. Um, but the flavors, that kind of core of flavors that seems to uh, be relatively consistent are enjoyable. Um, I think that the, as you said, the the sweet cocoa flavor has faded substantially. It's not nearly as strong in the end of the second third, beginning of the final third, as it was in the beginning of the cigar. Um, I still get a little bit of that that cherry flavor, no doubt, um, and just kind of the the common f- uh, core of flavors, which are a little difficult for me to pinpoint. Besides just kind of saying, 
you know, a little woody, a little spicy, uh, a little sweet, a little cherry-like. Um, it doesn't stand out as being, oh, it has this flavor, that flavor, and the other. It's just, um, this reminds me much more of the 2012 than did any of the other three that we've had um, earlier for this vertical tasting. I like it. I think that it's um, a good blend. It's kind of hit its sweet spot with this San Andreas. Um, Maybe with a little bit more time, this cigar would uh, develop a bit more, and we might be able to see more complexities, but um, either way, it's it's very enjoyable at this point. A little different, um, well, obviously different, but a little too different for my takes from the 2010. I wish it had a little more of that sweetness and complexity along with this core, but uh, nonetheless, it's uh, an enjoyable stick. Very enjoyable stick. Yeah, for me as well. I love the 11 and 12s, and I also love the 13s, the most recent one, which is pretty similar to these, except, of course, in a different Vitola. They were um, Robustos. I think they were 5 by 54 or something like that. Um, Maybe I'll get you something before next week, but it's actually pretty doubtful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Well, another, uh, our second phase of this vertical tasting coming to a close here. It's uh, been fun to get through these two cigars, and just as I suspected, it's been really, really fun to, within the course of a week, um, progressively smoke different vintages of the same cigar. Um, It shows a lot of uh, similarities and a lot of contrasts as well. So stay tuned for maybe next week. I think we may... uh, uh, push it up and do it for a third week in a row if I can get some of the 2013s. But if not, stay tuned for whenever part three, the final part of this uh, Oliva Serie V Maduro vertical tasting, when that uh, that comes to a close, it's no doubt going to be uh, as enjoyable as the first two parts have been. Yeah, I think so. I dig them. <laughs> mm. Not to be too verbose, but I dig them. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, oh man, I think we're near the end of this joker. I think we just might be. Hour yeah. 45, it's uh coming up on uh coming up on what would be our normal closing time anyway. So as we talked about next week's uh cigar of the week, as of right now, it's slated to be the Oliva Serie V 2012, which I know we both have, but we'll see if um there's any chance we can also get the 13 and uh, if that's the case, I'm sure we'll be having it next week. Otherwise, we may postpone until I can get my hands on some. So that's a TBD. Watch Twitter and Facebook. I'm sure you'll hear something uh, over the course of the week. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing that to you. That's so much fun. (laughs) Well, are we ready to wrap up? I think Um, so. Before we do that, I got one more thing. Um... Some of you out there know that I uh, had an unexpected illness with my dad this week. And uh, Michael Stewart, a long-time friend of the show and has been on a couple of times, he actually wrote a piece of music, and, he's, and he posted that up, and it's a beautiful piece of music. He uh, plays trumpet himself. But he wrote the uh, strings and... Um, 
Horns portions of that music and and posted that up and, and said he had written that with my dad in mind and and I just wanted to put a big thanks out there for that that was really cool and a, a beautiful piece of music it's mm. called uh, Pastoral. Well, I think um, I think my segment of the show here is a little obvious tonight. Um, it's been a it's been a little bit of a trying week for the the half ashed family. Obviously, um, Kip mentioning that, and uh, we had a death in my family this week. Um, so it's been you know a lot of emotions, a lot of family time, and a lot of things that we need to uh, that we all need to remember. So tonight's dedication um, it's a little bit different. It's a little more uh, understood. Um, it's a little more understood about the specific people that uh, this show goes out to. So to be a little broader, I'll uh, I'll just say this: Don't forget to to love on the people in your life that are worth loving. All those loved ones that maybe you haven't given a hug to, be sure to do it. Maybe you're going to go upstairs after you have your cigar tonight and go give your kids and and your wife a kiss in the forehead and. Give them a little bit of a squeeze, too, because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. So, folks, you know where to find us. You know uh, you know our website, our websites, excuse me, our email addresses, Facebook, Twitter, you know all that jazz. We're not going to get into it tonight. We just want to uh, leave you with that. Leave you with the idea that nothing is more important in this life than family and your loved ones. So don't forget that, and we won't either. So from all of us to all of you, we hope that that you have a spectacular week and that you tune right in for us next week and that we can have another great end to a great week and remember the good things in our lives and focus on that. So good night, everybody, and thanks for listening.